The Brutally Speaking podcast is proudly sponsored by Starving Artist Brewing. Starving Artist Brewing may be a small speck on Michigan's beer map, but they say big things come in small packages. A brewery who really puts their money where their mouth is, supporting underground artists far and wide. Making delicious beers with the simple belief that you should judge beer, not people. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Jeremy Schaefer, vocalist of Earth Groans. They have a new EP called Tongue Tied. It is out now. And I got to say, I was really looking forward to getting this chat done with Jeremy. Um, it's not often that basically you get to do someone's like first interview or first like couple and it was one of those things where, you know, I've said repeatedly on this show that initially when I started, I didn't want to have any repeat guests because I was like, what more can be said? We say it all in the first thing. And then I kind of realized after having some people come back on that there's kind of a niceness or a nicety, as the word probably is, uh, of having someone come on. There's more familiarity. You're kind of expounding upon the conversation maybe you already had. And in times, it's just nice to check in and thinking about when I had Jeremy on, the show was still pretty new, very much like the band was new for him. And it was kind of interesting to think about how much has happened in both of our careers, you know, with this podcast and with his band, you know, you know, I think when we first did that conversation, he hadn't really toured, the band had just been signed. And it was from my perspective, you know, kind of having to do a lot of the firsts, you know, getting to talk to him about the band, where it came from, the name, and, you know, the looking forward to touring and what is being signed mean and all this kind of stuff. And here we are, I think about three years later, maybe four. And, you know, he's toured a lot more. And what is it done? And honestly, like, there's something about this conversation that I, I found really interesting because I, I love having people on that were at the beginning of the podcast and when the show was not what it is now and having people back on and kind of getting more into something different because I think we we all grow. We we Hopefully we do. We take in what's going on around us and, and take stock and, you know, every so often kind of look inward to, to move forward. And something that Jeremy and I end up talking about in this is, is something I've actually thought a lot about. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but it, it's, you know, talking about with this EP that basically, you know, he was saying that contractually the, the band is uh, fulfilled all of their obligations for uh, their record label. And is one of those things where, you know, the band isn't quite where he maybe thought it was going to be, um, that maybe this is as far as the band will ever go and being OK with it. And maybe that this this might be the end. And there's something there's something to be said for people who I think understand that, like, 
I can keep doing this thing or maybe it's done. Maybe it's it's run its course and it's time for me to do something else and, and start new. And there's something so intriguing to, to me about that because I think too often we, I don't want to say we settle and we're not necessarily complacent. I think it's more out of fear that we don't want to, we don't want to end something when it's, when it's kind of reached its peak because potentially that means we have to start asking harder questions of ourselves. We have to start looking at it and going, is this a failure? Did I fail? Is there anything more I could have done? And I think a lot of us don't want to internalize that. I think that we don't want to think that something we're, we've done and spent so much of our, poured so much of our heart and soul into and, to, and devoted so much time to that maybe that's as far as it's going to go. Maybe that it's it's ran its course. And you can apply that to a job. You can apply it to a relationship. You can apply it to so many facets outside of just, you know, a band uh, or even in my case, a podcast. But, you know, it was interesting because I have had that thought and I continue to have that thought currently. Um, you know, this is episode 397. I already have episode 400 recorded. I'm about to do another podcast today uh, as of when I'm recording this. But I'm about to go on vacation for like 10 days. And my job right now is just super overwhelming um, without getting into super specifics. Lately, it has been like pulling teeth to fully staff my store, trying to do interviews, having people who don't change their availability day in and day out, um, and then finding people where I can plug these pieces in. And then, you know, the other day I found out one of my assistant managers got promoted to store manager, which is awesome. But they didn't tell me that that was coming, and I have no one in my roster of employees who can fulfill the hour requirements that I have of that person. So now I'm just kind of like, shit, I'm, I'm kind of going to be fucked. <laughs> and it's a lot of headaches, and I was trying to like solve some of my scheduling issues before I went on vacation. And just so many obstacles and curveballs have been thrown my way that I essentially had to be like, I'm gone tomorrow. I'm not dealing with any of this because I'm going on vacation and I'm going to be not only like like on the other side of the country, but like I'm also going to be on a three hour time difference. Like it's just not I'm not going to be available. Uh, I tried to make this work. I tried to get as many people involved to help me solve the problem. But unfortunately, like it just is what it is at this point. People are going to have to deal. And. There And the reason I bring that up is because I have been stressing about trying to get things done because I know as the boss, I have to, I have to maintain, I have to do all these things. But there gets to a point where you just realize like, I can only do so much and then I have to step away. I have to, to set boundaries and do all these things. And how that correlates is with the podcast even, it's been kind of a struggle for me to find time to do the podcast and put it out consistently like I have been. And I've been having these things where I go, is this kind of a weird sign that maybe I just need to like end the podcast? We hit 400 and we're done. It's been a good run. It's been a good almost seven years, but like it's just not working currently. Or do I kind of, as I have talked about a lot on this show over the years, this is maybe a pivot point. Maybe I just need to pivot and it's not a weekly show anymore. It's a, maybe it's every other week. Maybe it's you know, a seasonal show now. And I just compile maybe 10 episodes, put them together, drop them, give myself a couple of months, maybe two months or so, start compiling some more, do another seasonal drop. Um, I haven't quite figured it out, but 
it was really interesting talking to somebody else who's kind of, I feel like, at this crossroads of, like, where am I at in my life and, you know, taking stock of everything around me. And so for that, like, you know, I'm really thankful that, you know, Jeremy kind of opened up and, and kind of revealed where he's at in his life with the band and a lot of other things. And it's it's really kind of made me do the same. And I'm running a parallel with him with this show and my job and all of these other things. And uh, it was a really fun chat. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Jeremy. I'll talk to you on the other side of it. Good. It's been a been a nice rainy Midwest day all day today. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Super fun. Yeah. So uh, and you're where are you at again? Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right That's on. the uh, fun part of uh, like today having to uh, spend time trying to time out dog walks between rain <laughs> and then hoping that you don't get like stuck in the rain. Yeah. Right. Because my dog's the kind that likes to uh, play in it, and then but Ah. then we'll also get kind of upset. Like if it's if we're if it's not a slow drizzle and she's been out in it getting acclimated, Mm -hmm. she'll just like then she'll be like the other day it was raining. She got about like two houses down and then just literally stopped, sniffed kind of like side or whatever, and just turned right back around to go home. And I was like, really? Like you're just (laughs) you're done? Like you just decided like we're done? We're done? We're done? (laughs) This sucks. Yeah, not great. I mean, I fully backed the the decision, but it was also yeah. a thing where I was like, "This uh, no bueno." <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's been funny. Like I've been thinking about you know everything that's happened. I guess between collectively between like myself and the and this show, and even you and your band. Like because I think, um, and I and the only reason I ever remembered this is because I made the joke. Um, to i think it was amy even back then where i was like i can't find anything on this band or like jeremy like i can't like it's almost like they don't exist or like they're like literally brand new as of like a few months ago and then she was like yeah you're you're basically either basically i'm doing the first interview you had done or i legitimately was the first thing you'd like done for press Uh, and to think about how much you've done since like it's it's so funny to think of like I've seen your band tour like through here and mm-hmm. in general like I think at the time of us talking you really hadn't done any shows out of out of your home state and home area. Yeah, probably not. That's cool though. Full circle. Is it is it weird to I mean I guess let's kind of start there because I mean the, the this is really just a conversation but I yeah. think it's interesting to as I've been thinking about it like to think about how you've changed as a person since then. So I mean what has touring done for you like how how has it changed you it's aged me look at me (laughs) (laughs) it's giving me wrinkles no i don't know it's uh it's honestly i've i've always loved touring um i started touring when i was in other bands when i was like 15 16 i think was when i did my very first tour um and i've just like that was my first taste of it 
And I was like, yo, I need more of this in my life. And uh, this band has been the one that's done the most. Um, and it's been awesome. Uh, it's, I don't know, I, I don't know how it's really changed me, I guess, other than uh, it's made me more like <laughs> a thriftier person because <laughs> when, when I'm on tour, when you're on tour, you, I mean, like you're not making good money and uh, you're trying to figure out ways to, uh, I guess, save money and stuff like that. So it's made me, it's made me a thriftier person, I think, <laughs> but I don't know if it's really, uh, that it's really changed me all that much other than, um, you know, I've just gotten to see a whole lot of the world and it's, it's been really awesome. And, um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed a lot. I really enjoy touring. So I don't know. I would almost feel like the being thrifty would have been a life lesson you learned when buying a house or starting a studio. <laughs> yeah. You think, but I mean, it's just like the only thing I'm like the closest thing that it comes to being a homeless person while owning a house at the same time. Cause I base <laughs> like, I'm like my, and my friends will say the same thing. Um, like I'm, I'm like, like like I dumpster dive and like, uh, yeah, I just like, I don't, I don't know. I just like, uh, yeah, I'm just very, very thrifty. So I don't know. That's one thing that, you know, that I've learned over to the touring years is just how to, how to save even more money and how to be like, how to live on the road comfortably. And, and, uh, so yeah. Do you, f- this might be a weird parallel. Do you feel mm-hmm. like because of that, because I, I would assume that that, I mean, I'm sort of the same way. Like, I mean, it's funny mm-hmm. sometimes when talking to my wife and she'll be like, oh, I only have like X amount of hundreds of dollars to like make until the next paycheck after paying bills and, and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and having all your basic, your basics met. And yeah. I'll think to myself, I could probably make that last like a month or two. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I had you to, get- like, I, oh, yeah, definitely. And it's interesting to to think about that because I feel like that's something that inherently is, it's kind of a learned skill, I think, just from probably growing up as such and just knowing that like, like you don't throw shit away, even if like you don't like food, like I'm, yeah, I grew up pretty, not like poor, but like, like you don't open another box of cereal until the one is done. You don't throw food away you'll save it for like you'll make it last for another meal or something if instead for sure and there's things like that where i feel like there's a slight disconnect between my wife and i at times even though from all accounts like we grew up essentially the same in the same kind of households and so forth so it's just kind of interesting to me that like when i hear something like you say something like that like i'm the most frugal person i'm basically homeless without being homeless (laughs) that i feel like potentially that that attitude in that nature probably makes touring for you not as i don't want to i'm kind of trying to figure out my way through it but i feel like whereas a lot of bands like maybe starting off or touring would be like yo we're gonna go do this we're gonna go do this and then basically come home and they have no money and they have nothing to really show for it like they might have experiences and so forth but that they don't i guess appreciates the only word that keeps coming to mind and that's not the word I want to use but I feel like because of your background in in that and how you are as a person I feel like it allows you to get more from touring I guess there we go it allows you to get more out of the touring yeah yeah for sure if you have like the mentality like the expectation that I'm going to go into this tour and I'm not going to make really any money 
Um, but I'm going to, I guess, you know, just enjoy, be very present in my situation, no matter where it is, even if it's like, you're just chilling in the street outside the venue for a few hours, you know, like, yeah, I think that, uh, it opens your eyes a little bit more to see the world outside of just like, Oh, I need, uh, I want to, you know, I want a, whatever, uh, froofy something from Starbucks. And, uh, no, it's like, no, you're just gonna, you're just gonna be present with the people that you're with and you're just gonna have a good time. And, uh, I don't know. I think that that's like one thing that, you know, maybe touring will do for you is that just being present in the situation that you're in and enjoying it. Like the beauty I've like, for one thing, like people ask me all the time, what's your favorite state to visit? I'm like, well, I think that every state has beauty to it. It just depends on where you're looking. Um, Mm. you know, it's like even the Midwest, it's like, well, yeah, it's just, people just think it's just flat and there's cows and corn. And yeah, that is true. But there's a lot of beauty here also in some of that stuff. And like the people, I, I think that people in the Midwest are really beautiful too. And just like, the way that they are as far as like um they're maybe a little nicer and and a little like more laid back than like you know people on the coasts and stuff um but uh yeah i don't know i i think it's just like a matter of like where you're looking you know when when you're looking for things that are cool or things that are beautiful so have you always maintained sort of that that thought process to always try to find more positive in life than the negative? Um, I think that's definitely a learned thing for me. Uh, yeah. Perspective is key. And that's one thing that I've learned because especially being in like a small touring band, you could be playing for 10 people and it's like, Oh, we're only playing for 10 people. Or you could shift that mindset and be like, yo, there's like 10 people here that I've never met that I can go hang out with after the show. Like some of my, the best relationships that I've built and established over the years have been from those small, tiny shows like that. So I think taking like nothing for granted is really important. Like, especially when being a starting a smaller band, even, I mean, we still play shows like that. Sometimes that just happens, you know? Uh, and it's, yeah. And it's really just going to be a matter of like perspective, how you're going to walk away with that or walk away from that you could be like oh i get to play like really cool music in a state that i've never been in or a city that i've never been in in front of people that i've never met before or you can walk away being bitter being like yeah there was only 10 people at our show tonight like what am i even doing out here because if you think if you keep that mindset like if you keep numbers as like that's the only thing that matters like you're gonna be you're gonna have a long life even bands that are big it's like you know, it's like, what's the difference between us playing for 10 people or a big band playing for only a thousand people? You know what I mean? Like for us, a thousand people is a monstrous show, but a band for like, I don't know who I'm thinking of, bad, maybe bad omens or I don't, I don't even know where to go with this, but like, you know, a big, maybe a radio ramp, uh, a radio band, uh, slip. We'll just say Slipknot. If a band, if Slipknot only played for a thousand people, they'd be like, "Yeah, we only played for a thousand people," you know. So it is just—it's a matter of perspective, I think. Well, I think the other thing too that a lot of people don't do when thinking about perspectives on things—I don't think a lot of people will take the time to to appreciate where they're at. Like, it's something yeah. I've talked about quite a bit on the show, where 
you know, at like <clears throat> a few years ago, pre pandemic, you know, this show was pulling in, you know, almost 15, 17,000 downloads a month. Dang. And like now that I think the show is way better personally, like I think the, the quality of like, I like everybody that I talk to, I can talk to anybody, but I feel like as far as the, the name brand recognition of who I'm having on, it's, it's more consistent than it ever mm-hmm. was. And I feel like the connections between myself and the guest and the conversations we're having are way better than they were years ago. But the numbers would say otherwise. Sure. And I remember thinking to myself for a little while, I was like, man, now I'm not going to get like this opportunity anymore. I'm probably not going to get this, these things. And I had an epiphany a little while ago where I was just like, you know, if this is a, as close to being in a, in a band or in the music industry as I'm going to get, like to correlate it to a band, it's like I'm probably at that that club level where it's like, you know, we're probably pulling in. You know, we can play the 3000 cap rooms and probably do pretty well there. And I was like, that's a sustainable career. Like you can have yeah. a good living off of that. And there would have been a yeah. point where this where I'm at is where I wanted to be. And mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the negative of like, well, I'm not here anymore. Or I'm not doing this. It's like I'm still here and I'm still able to I should be happy with what I'm doing. And I don't think a lot of people will take that time to to just stop for a second. Look, think back and then go. There was a moment where this is all you wanted. Right. And like, no, but you're, you're so on the journey that you just never, you never stop to appreciate where you are and how far you've come. Right. I even had a friend put me in check, uh, like not that long ago. I caught, we were on the phone and I was driving somewhere and just catching up. He was asking how the band was doing. I'm like, yeah, we're like, I don't know. We're having a hard time, like landing support tours and it feels like I'm failing. You know, I, I like straight up said, it feels like I'm failing. And he was like, bro, you're, you're able, you're out there doing what, like me myself and a lot of other people like wish and would die for like, and like that kind of experience, you know? And so that was like, just kind of even a wake up call. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I am really, I'm really blessed to be able to. And though like my band isn't where I want it to be, you know, but I feel like that you could always have that mindset too, chasing the cheese. Um, but yeah, just like, it was just nice to have somebody like put me in check and like, and it's good. I think that's something that's really important as an artist, as a performer, whatever, that you have to like manage expectations. You have to manage, you know, contentment. Um, and I think contentment is that's one of those things that is absolutely learned as as an American where uh we have, you know, phones and we can have everything so fast, right, you know, done for us, um, provided for us. And like, you know, we have resources up the wazoo. So, you know, in a sense, we can be our own gods, you know. (laughs) And so uh, finding contentment without some of that stuff, I think that that's what is really hard. It's like, I want this and I want it right now. That's the society that we live in, you know, where things that can just be like done for us. Um, So not being able to have what we want right now, I think that uh, is kind of a good character building thing you know it's like over the pandemic like i had pretty much like my whole life calling if you will like taken away because like you know i I do the recording studio thing that's my real job and then i do touring um and so both of those things were just ripped out from underneath me and i'm like whoa what i am what am i without 
these things, you know? And so at first it was really, it was a really, really hard time for me because I was like, wow, I don't have anything to live for, you know? And I went down this really bad, uh, mental path, but it ended up, it ended up helping me learn that I base my identity too much around being the band guy, you know, that there is more to life and there's more to me than just being in a, being a band dude, you know? That was actually going to be something I was going to talk about because I feel like, I feel like hopefully everyone was able to kind of come to that conclusion during the pandemic of like reassess who you are or who you want to be versus who you are. And I know for, you know, like I was talking to Chris from Barry tomorrow and you know, his, his other profession outside of being a touring musician is a barber. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, talk again about both careers, both things that, you know, require you to to put a lot of time and, and dedication to your craft to get really good at it, to be able to make it a sustainable career. And now you suddenly don't have either. And then it's like, I feel like it would make you have to look internally and be like, man, like this is this is all I've known are these like things, these passions of mine. Who yep. am I without them? And then when you strip yourself away of your quote unquote identity. I mean, I think, you know, the running joke for the longest time. And if you're in the, like the music world, isn't necessarily that you're known by your actual name. You're known by like your band name. You're like, Oh, you're, right. you're Jeremy earth groans or Hey, it's yeah. earth groans. Or it's like, you know, it's things like that, that you it's so disassociative at that point when it's all stripped away. And then it's like, well, then who am I? Right. And like, I feel like the other side of that too is so many of these people have been doing it since pre-adolescence basically. So then you're like, okay, I I literally know nothing of my life without this being the most focused part of it. Yeah. So who am I now? Right. For sure. How, I mean, I feel like from, from watching from afar, I feel like something that you did, I think like a lot of other people is you kind of leaned more into, into music uh, as kind of an outlet during the pandemic. And it seemed like that was kind of the beginning twofold uh, for Mm -hmm. you doing the covers and so forth. Yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah. I mean, two things that I started doing during uh, that came out of the pandemic was one, um, I, I started, well, actually there's a few things, sorry. Um, I started looking to other ways that I can create because if I'm not creating, I'm dying. (laughs) Like, it's like, I really like, I need to be creating all the time, whether it be, you know, producing records or writing music or performing, whatever. Um, I realized I was like, Oh, okay. There's other ways that I can create. So I have a camera, I'm going to go take some pictures, you know? So I did like some family photos for like my family and close relatives for like a couple, you know, like a little money here and a little money there. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, that's fun. That's a new, like, that's a new skill set that I can like, you, you know, have and use and an outlet. And then I started painting like these traditional tattoo style, uh, like flash pieces. Um, Mm -hmm. Because that was something that I've always been into, like painting, um, but I never gave myself an opportunity opportunity to do it because music always took priority. Um, and so I started doing that. I started doing like two or three a week and I started selling them. I put them up, you know, to help pay for bills because I wasn't making an income from the studio. 
and people stepped up and just were, were paying me double what I was asking. And it was just a really cool thing to see, like, you know, people out of the goodness of their hearts were like overpaying because they knew that I was like having a hard time. So that was really cool. Not only that I was getting to like paint and like use that, you know, artistic side of me, but also just like restoring my, you know, cause like the world was crazy. And like, I was like, Oh my gosh, like mankind is effed. <laughs> but like, that was cool. Just to, like, you know, be reminded of the goodness of people's hearts. Um, and, uh, and you know, and then the other thing was just like starting to do like vocal covers. And that was cool because it really like, it's made me such a better vocalist um, because like, you know, I always, I always thought like, like this equivalency of like doing cover vocal covers is like the equivalency of like starting like an old, like eighties bar band, you know, and going like, that's how you make your income. And it's like, I didn't want to do that because I felt like a fraud. I'm like, you know, real <laughs> artists make their own music, but no, like, yeah, obviously they do, but they also learn from other great artists before them, you know? So, uh, it was a cool to kind of like jump into like a learning seat of like, wow, like a lot of these vocalists do vocals way different than I would do, whether it's uh placement and cadence or, you know, pitches, stuff like that. And so, you know, manipulate or not manipulate, uh, copying so many, some of like what they were doing or covering what they were doing was like a really eye opening and like just, just a learning experience to see how other vocalists do, you know, things. And it's like, it's, you know, I was learning new techniques that I had never learned before. And I was, you know, doing cadences that I had never done before and stuff. So all the way around, it just really, it just made me a better vocalist. So, uh, that was, you know, awesome. Well, I feel like the other thing it sort of showcased too was your ability to like dial in vocal chains and stuff from a producing standpoint. So yeah. it kind of was a almost like a multifaceted thing where it's like it's showcasing that you know how to like, and most of them are like one one camera angle from what I recall. Um, yeah but it's still a matter of probably syncing up audio to video. So like stu doing yeah. some like sign tech stuff there, it's showcasing mm -hmm. your vocal ability. People probably found out about your band because of these things. Definitely. Yeah. And then once they find out that you also can, you know, have are proficient at recording now that unlocks kind of another Avenue for you to, to grow your brand essentially of, of you as a person. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it was great. I do. I like, you know, uh, I didn't expect it, but like both TikTok and Instagram really like took off pretty well and are still growing. And because of that, I'll, yeah, like I would say probably at least one person a night will come out to our shows and be like, hey, I found out about your band because of your TikTok or because of your Instagram <laughs> reels. So it's like, well, yeah, obviously, why not? I mean, like, you know like being known for my covers is not what I want as a band dude. I want people to know me because of my band, but right. you know, whatever works. So. Well, it's almost like a Trojan horse of sorts at that point where you're just like, all right, yeah. like, yeah, this is what'll get you in here. But hopefully once you, you know, the door has been open, hopefully at that point you're, you enjoy the rest of what I have to offer, right. which <clears throat> I mean, kind of speaking to, speaking to you know becoming known for something are you surprised at how many people have like just clamored on to the mustache 
<laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's it is a it is an interesting thing um, because like I started it as a joke, mm-hmm. and you know it turned into being like my branding. You know, most people know of Earth Groans by like the vocalist with the big mustache. You know, it's like whatever works. You know, some people wear masks, some people like you know paint themselves or do whatever weird stuff on stage so that people remember them but it's like i just grew a big mustache <laughs> like and people know me you know as like the metalcore mustache dude now so whatever Is works it, has it become a thing where like in the day and age now where i feel like bands have to have something else something to kind of market you know mm-hmm. um from a marketing standpoint is it does it ever get to a point where like management i I mean and i would assume like your label wouldn't do this but i feel like there has to be some sort of potential where it's like you can't shave it like we need (laughs) you to have like like and i don't really know any other way to say it other than just so plainly like that where it's like it becomes this thing that it's so to you and the band and it makes you more stand out from the rest of your contemporaries to a degree right that i could see it being a thing where behind the scenes, like there's conversations where it's like, yeah, right. man, you, you can't shave that. Or if you do, it has to be for, for something really big. Yeah. Um, but like, have you even thought about it from that perspective? Like how? Oh yeah, like, I definitely have. I'm like, yeah, if I shave my mustache and showed up at like on tour, people would be like, who's this guy at the merch table? You know, it's like <laughs> this, like, where's the vocalist at? So, yeah, that would probably be like a real a real thing. You know, obviously I don't think we get dropped from the label or anything like that, but no. <laughs> it like yeah, I've always said that we we would lose fans if I shaved my mustache off. <laughs> I I legitimately do feel like that could be a thing. Like as dumb as it is to admit that and even vocalize it out loud, I do feel like mm-hmm. there are people who for whatever reason so identify you and the band to your ability to grow a mustache that if you cut it off, that they would be upset. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like physically, like, like literally upset, like to where you would get comments about it. You would probably get oh, DMs yeah. about it. And you're just like, yep. it's hair. I can grow it. Back. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember maybe these, these stories aren't true, but I'm pretty sure they are <laughs> a long time ago, like bands that would sign to a major label, but didn't have tattoos. The label would be like, you know, here's a thousand dollars a piece, go get tattooed because you have to look the part. If yeah. some, if you get on stage with, you know, no tattoos and whatever, like, I don't know for where, for whatever reason, tattoos mean you're a successful band or what it means, but you know, it's like, you got to look the part. So there is truth to that story. I do know, and I'm not going to put the bands and or people on blast or not even blast, but I'm just not going to like say the names. Cause I do know legitimately that there are people who have been signed and it's not that the label said here, have money f- to go get tattoos, mm-hmm. but that the write-offs, uh, because right. it goes yeah. toward your imaging and stuff like right. that, which is how you are marketable. Um, so I do know. And then there's even examples like uh, I know Johnny from the Browning, literally got both sleeves done in like back to back days. And like, I'm just like, you know, I, there's no <laughs> way I could go through the process Brutal. of getting a whole sleeve in one day, let alone then being like, let's do the other one now. <laughs> right. That would, 
Ah, uh, the 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 toll that your body would take would that would be rough. Well, I be feel like anymore. Week. I feel. Oh my god! I was at a convention getting like a thigh piece done, and I remember, mm-hmm. or no, I was getting my stomach done actually. Um, I remember seeing a dude getting like a full like chest, like to the shoulders, all the way down to like your like. Uh, like just below like your where you're at like your abdomen and your legs basically combined. Yeah. And he was getting like some black and gray uh like suit of armor type stuff. And for as soon like usually like when you would get there, because like if you're getting tattooed or whatever, they'll kinda let you in a little bit early if you have an appointment that early. Um yep. but I remember getting there and that dude was already there. Mm-hmm. And then he was there till like they were done and then he'd be the first one there all three days and i was oh like oh my there gosh is, i was like there is no way like you're like your endorphins and your body's just not like dude we can't we can't yeah. take this anymore like because i just feel like right. there's just no your body has to recover and then to like go back through like i know how it is like after five hours like getting my neck done over here and like the wiping and all that, especially like with how yeah. thin your skin is down here, and it's just oh, it sucks. That I was like, I couldn't imagine going back through and be like, all right, like let's go back over this area and then add more, and then just yeah. over the course of however many hours and days, just like that's my that's my three that's my what is that uh, twenty four thirty six or twenty four forty eight seventy two hours or whatever. I couldn't imagine yeah. seventy two hours basically of almost just like that's my existence, and it's like no right. thank you. That sounds like literal hell. <laughs> oh, I mean, shout out to that dude. I, I, I wish yeah. I could see, I wish I could, I should have gotten it like name and Instagram or something. Cause I could see how it yeah. like, turned out and all that. But right, man, I just, I, I feel like a, a, like I tap out like where I'm like, I only got like five, six hours in me and then I'm done. Yeah. People are like five or six hours. I give you like a two and I'm done. Yeah. Well, it's worse that the older I've gotten too. I when I was early 20s, I would be able to go in and yeah, I would be able to sit for like I think my longest session was I did a 9-hour one when I started my uh torso piece. Uh and I guess that was in my late 20s even. But now for me to even go longer than 4 hours is just so hard. <laughs> Like my body yeah. is like, dude, no. And my brain, like I get the worst tattoo brain. Like I feel like I'm actually like drunk, like belligerent drunk. Like I cannot think. I'm like the smallest actions. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get the bathroom. <laughs> like it's just so, <laughs> I like, can't even speak words. It's crazy. I always think it's interesting <clears throat> as, you know, being – a heavily tattooed person like just the stigmas that i guess come along with it like and i don't even mean like oh you must be a terrible person or like the amount of times <laughs> i've had like people tell me like oh did you get those in prison and you're like no <laughs> um but i think it's more when people like and i understand like just the, the thought process i guess because you don't know if you don't know but it's like yeah. when people are like well how many do you have and i'm like i don't know I'm like, I mean, like this sleeve started a, with this a part, big one. and I one big and one go, over like, here, one big one over this here. One <laughs> yeah. was like it getting outlined and then shaded and then finished. Like, is that three or is that one? All right. Like, does it become one once you add more to it and it becomes the full thing? Like, I don't know. I also don't know how much money I've spent either. Like, probably more <laughs> than I would love to admit. But yeah, please don't it's... ask me that question. I'll, I'll go. I'll get <laughs> That's depressed. why you dumpster dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I live frugally so I can get tattooed. 
Yeah, that's where you spend all your money. <laughs> kind of is. I spend way too much on, on tattoos. But yeah, I even like when people find out. So I love pop music. Like I love pop music. I probably listen to pop music more than I listen to anything. And and maybe that's just because I work in metalcore that like when I am not when I if I hear metalcore immediately, my brain is like analyzing, studying, you know, whatever. So as soon as I'm step out of the studio, I'm usually like I put on pop music or something like that. But when people see me all like heavily tatted and everything and they're like, you listen to pop music like they're like, hey, just because I'm tattooed and blasted doesn't mean that I can't like pop music that i can't listen blast some taylor swift once in a while i think that's been like the funny thing like you know like going to see rod stewart this past year i had so many people who were like why are you here and i'm like because rod stewart's fucking awesome like he makes good music yeah and i just remember people being like do you like almost like they thought i was like make i was there to make fun of them i was like these tickets Like who who wants to spend money to go make fun of people enjoying their day, like, <laughs> like getting joy out of like something that brings them that? And I guess maybe that's just the culture we live in now, where people literally will film videos of them ripping on people. Like, so I guess like I get it, but it's still yeah. just the thing where it's so interesting to to and like I've said this, and I know this might be like a somewhat controversial statement because it's like we we chose to look this way. Right. Um, we weren't born this way, but I have said that it's, it's really been interesting. The more tattooed I get over like the, the decades at this point where I do feel like it has shown me a different side of society. And like, I've been treated entirely. I've been judged. I'll even say before yeah. I've even said anything to anyone. Like I've had some of the most horrific things that you don't say to people in, in, to their face. I've had said to me while I'm working and like, and I know that that's part of it is they know that like, I'm probably not going to fly off the handle because I'm at work, but it's one of those things where, you know, I've said like, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a woman or a minority or anything, but like I do low key kind of know what it's like to be judged and to be unfairly judged based on my outward appearance before you've ever had a moment to get to know who I am or anything about me or my character. And then yep. a lot of times I do see a lot of people who are like, oh, you're a lot more soft-spoken or you're a lot nicer. Or, you're more into like, you know, I work at a sporting uh, goods type place, like where we sell hats and jerseys and stuff. And people are like mouth agape at times when I'm talking about, you know, basketball from the early, the late 80s, early 90s when I started watching. It. And they're like, I didn't I didn't think a you knew anything about basketball, let alone right. how much knowledge you have. And it's like, why? Like, it, it's yeah. so weird to think that someone would be that presumptuous and judgy based on an outward appearance. And I also think that it's adversely made me not be that way because of it. Yeah, definitely. Have you really experienced kind of the same? Um, I have. um, I can't really think of any examples right off the top of my head, but I remember we did play, uh, we played a show once where um, there was um, a dude there to see us and uh, he nor- when he would normally come to our shows. He would wear he'd wear uh, like white makeup and like he would dye his hair black and he'd wear like uh, the trip pants and stuff like that. Um, so he would wear like the goth looking style. And then he one time he came and I didn't even recognize him because he didn't have you know uh, like his goth attire. I guess if you if you will. And um, I don't know if I brought it up or if he brought it up. I think I might have said, you know, I didn't even recognize you because, you know, you don't have, you don't, 
look the same. And he's like, yeah, people, uh, people made fun of me too much. And I just like, I couldn't take it anymore. So I changed like my appearance and I was like, Mm. bro, like you should never change for anybody, no matter like what, you know, what that might be, why they're making fun of you, you know? So that was really like, it was really just really sad. And like to, for the fact that somebody would like change who they are as a person because of how, you know, how they're being like treated because of how they look, mm. you know, that's sad. That sucks. That that's how we fail. Like one way that we fail as a society is that, we make fun of people that are different than us, but that's what makes society beautiful is the fact that people are not the same. Like, wow, I wouldn't want to live in a world where everybody's like me. I hate myself. (laughs) (laughs) I would hate everyone around me. (laughs) I think, I think sometimes that's the thing that we forget is like that. And and this is something I've really been trying to to start thinking about a lot more. And and I've kind of I said it in, in an episode that's going to be dropping um, this week. But the cons it's a concept I've really been trying to figure out and, and pinpoint when it kind of became a thing, or at least why is it a thing? And it's you know thinking about people who identify themselves and tie themselves so much to something. Mm-hmm. Knowing that it's like, and here's kind of where the controversial part of it came from. So I was, I was out of the casino with my wife and I saw like a bunch of people who were wearing like their Vietnam war hats and stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, different. And it just kind of made me think about like all the older people I see, all the older men I see that wear like their Vietnam war or a Korean war or like all these wars and by and large, anyone I've ever talked to firsthand personally, it's not it's not a good time, especially like back then when you were getting drafted and like it wasn't right. a choice. You just had to go and you had to do a lot of horrific things uh, right. when you were so young that then I'm like, it's so weird to me that you would something that you has caused you a lot of pain and a lot of mm-hmm. heartbreak and a lot of problems, health as well. Um that it becomes this thing where you wear it outwardly so much that it's, it's, it's you, that's how you're identified. And I've really been trying to figure out why we, as people kind of put so much of our identity into things that cause us pain. And we're like very hard parts. Like, I guess I understand the idea of like, I survived. And so therefore like, it's a badge of honor. But like I said, when you talk to these people a lot about their experiences, there's not really ever any happy things they're telling you. So I just don't understand why people, I guess, trauma bond with their identity to this thing. And so when you kind of start thinking about that on a larger scale, like the other thing I've been thinking of is like politics. I don't remember growing up people talking about politics and making it be their end all be all on everything of who they are. Whereas now you'll literally have people like I'm Trump, supporter to the day I die. I'm pro Republican. I'm pro Democrat. I'm pro whatever. And I love the, the activism to a degree, but I just yeah. don't understand why it has to be a hundred percent of who you are outwardly when people meet you. Sure. Yeah, that is, that is a crazy thing. It's like, we just need to be, I don't, yeah, that's a weird thing. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's so weird. It's such a weird and, yeah. I, and I'm sure maybe there's a thing about it. But like when I try to explain it to people and those are my only reference points, they're like, well, yeah, but like there's other and I go and I can do it with other things. Like, I guess you could say like fitness or whatever. 
Yeah. But it just, or even sports teams, I guess, to a degree. But it, it's yeah. it's weird when it's something that you would kind of deem negative and doesn't really impact your life for the better. Right. Why do we do that? Yeah. That's a weird thing. And I, I feel like maybe the only thing I've come to is that it's it's some level of you're a part of a like a fraternity of sorts. Right. Yeah, some kind of community, whether because yeah. there's other people that are sharing in that stuff too, you know. Yeah, that's but at the same time, I I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are like, why do you want to live in a van? <laughs> and and dumpster time, you know. It's like that life sounds terrible. <laughs> so i don't know it's funny because like it's something that i always am jealous of and it's something that like you know in my life there's been a handful of moments where i can pinpoint where it's like i was kind of faced with an opportunity and i could have either gone this way or i could have gone that way and i just realized i had my hands behind the microphone very well for that (laughs) um but it was one of those things where i realized you know, a friend of mine was on Ozfest and was homesick and basically like someone in the crew left and he's like, dude, do you want to like join the tour? Uh, you know, it's not much money, but like, you know, you get your food, your per diem uh, and you, yeah. your food's provided for you on the tour. And then as soon as this tour is done, like this next tour is lined up and, you know, we can probably have you on that. And it's one of those things where I think about where those bands are. One of them, you know, was in this moment. So it's like, I mean, seeing where they are at this point, like all these years right. later, that it's like it's hard for me not to think about where life could have taken me if I would have gone down that avenue. Sure. But then I think about the the grinding of like what a tour is, where it's the hurry up and wait game. It's sitting at a venue. It's being gone for all these things, not seeing people, seeing them yep. very infrequently. And then it's like, could I do that? And sometimes right. I think I could. And then other times I'm like, I just don't think I could. I don't, yeah. I don't think I have it in me to to be gone that long. Right. It definitely takes a special breed of person to be able to do the touring thing. And uh, I totally get it. And I somehow am one of those breeds where that's all I want to do. You know, I'm like, I'm even uh, like pursuing like live sound front of house now because I want to be on the, on the road all the time. (laughs) So, but uh, yeah, I've had, I've toured with guys that like, they did one tour that was their first and last tour, you know, because it's just like <laughs> the idea of what tour is like versus what tour is actually like is very like a uh, kind of a misconceived, I think, um, you know? And uh, so, you know, you just got to do it. I, and I tell every band that I meet, you should at least do one tour just so you know what it's like, just to experience it and say that you've done it, you know, have some of those experiences where you're sleeping in the van and you're, you know, you're driving all night uh, through the mountains to get to the next stop, you know, whatever. Um, But uh, I don't know. (laughs) I think it's, yeah, I just think it's one of those things I think that every band should do just to experience it, whether they like it or not, they at least have an idea of like what that lifestyle is like. Are you someone who likes to drive or no, I, I do. Yeah. I actually, I love to be up front. If I'm not driving, I'm usually sitting up front because I really like to see what we're driving through, you know, and I like to be like present in the moment that we're, we're in, even if it's like, even if we are just driving through like the Midwest plains of Kansas, where they're like, Kansas is probably, again, I believe that every state has something beautiful to, 
to show, but Kansas might be one of the, the most boring states to drive through. Um, but like, I still like to be up front, like just taking it in and like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I like, an, I, I like driving. Uh, it's fun. I always have, um, I'm probably, I probably drive the most out of my band. Um, but I almost kind of like that. Maybe it's cause I'm a control freak. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust is, people. <laughs> is there a moment that you can think of when making a drive where you're like, I'm so glad like I'm awake and I'm doing this. Like, do you have a, a memory that just comes to mind? Oh, there's a lot of, there's so many places where I, yeah. Uh, there was one time where we, we drove up highway one, uh, in California. It was our first time. Uh, was it our first time on the West coast? I don't know. It was one of our earlier times being out West and, uh, we had an off day and I remember we, we pulled over early or like we drove till, I don't know, probably like eight or nine. And I'm like, it was dark and we were just about to go up highway one. And I was like, yo, I think we should, uh, I think we should pull over so that we can actually see this drive in, in the daylight. And the other guys wanted to keep going and like, well, they were all like their mentality was like, yo, we could knock out at least two, three more hours. I'm like, no, I really think that we should pull over because I really want to see this drive. And uh, so I finally talked to everybody into like, we'll just pull over here and hang out. And yeah, the next morning, like was that was like the most one of the most beautiful drives that I've ever seen, you know, and uh, like it was totally, absolutely uh, worth it, but I, and that's not really what you asked. But um, there was, uh, I would say, anytime we drive through like Colorado, the the drive from Salt Lake City to Colorado, I'm always there's no, I don't care how tired I am, I'm always gonna be awake for that drive because that's just going through the mountains and stuff like that is just really really beautiful. I'm about to do part of that in the next uh, week or so. We're going to Vegas. And then oh, cool. driving from Vegas to Zion National Park, and then driving Ooh. back to Vegas, and then flying to Salt Lake, and then going for a couple of days. Um, cool. So I'll probably yeah. be steeped in mountains and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because like I did that with a friend. He wanted to go to Atlanta for something, and that's like one of my favorite cities to go to. And but I'd never driven from here to there, and so we packed up and, and made the trek, and. You know, he was kind of the same as you, kind of a control freak whenever the band tour is. He's always the one that drives, even though he's like doing a million things at once other than driving. Uh-huh. And so I was like, dude, get some sleep. Like, I'll drive. And he was like, all right. So I took the last part, you know, basically through the fun part where it's like, you know, mountains and hills and a lot of other stuff. But I yeah. remember like rolling into Atlanta at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. So the sun was just kind of starting to come up a little bit, but the city yep. was still lit up you know, with all the night lights and so forth. And then as you're coming in from uh, where we were, it's like you're coming, like basically traversing the whole downtown on the expressway. And I was just like, oh, this was so cool. Like, I'm so glad, like I'm awake and I'm the one doing the drive. Yeah. And it just is one of those things sometimes where when you get to do something like that, I just feel like it's, it's one of those where it just is an experience that like you can't really articulate and you can't say why, it's magical or why you enjoy yeah. it or why it's the core memory that you can just always unlock. But it's one of those things you're like, this is where I'm supposed to be like right now. And this is just really cool being in this moment. And like, not everyone is sharing it with me. Right. Yeah. 
No, for sure. Yeah, and then I feel like that's like that is what a lot of tours is is a lot of those like it's like you don't have you can't take pictures because your phone can't capture a lot of the cool and the beautiful stuff and the experiences that you get to have, you know, and you just have to and you can't even explain it to other people like why this part was so cool or why this day was so cool like because it doesn't really make sense unless you're there. Um, yeah. So and I and I feel like that's what what tour ends up being a lot of times is that you are just like you were living like your best life and you were just like loving every you know loving every experience and but there's not really a way to explain to other people like why this experience is so sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's like part of the other thing too you know, peripherally being in the music business, the industry, whatever, through this medium of it and befriending people who tour, you know, like I think what's interesting a lot of times when people are like, oh, you know, side stage is where it's at or backstage or whatever. And I do agree to it for an instance. And but I'm more weird because I like paying attention to the, the people performing. And I also like mm-hmm. seeing all the behind the scenes stuff. So like, I love watching text work and seeing like, okay, they know they got to get this going and like right. you know, how they deal with like issues going on. But the other interesting part about it to me is just seeing things from a band's perspective. And it's like, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, it must, it must sound really cool up there. And I'm like, no, most people wear in ears now. So all it is is just symbols. And then you hear yeah. sort of what it is going through the PA getting pushed out. So from yep. a sound perspective, it's the worst spot you could be in, <laughs> but yeah, that is true from the perspective of just feeling like you're a part of the band and kind of seeing the little nuances. Like I love watching someone make a mistake or whatever, or say a joke to someone and it starts mm-hmm. making them laugh. And then, or like someone is like, Oh, you just messed up. I caught that. And yeah. it's like, by and large, people probably won't even recognize that that happened, but it's that little bit of like, hum- like humanity yeah. in the, the chaos of the show, especially, you know, metal and hardcore and all that, that it just makes it feel more real and vulnerable, I guess. Definitely. Uh, yeah. That's the, something that I've like really, I used to go up and be like, okay, I have to go up and be the most professional, like performance robot, like no mistakes, no, you know, no fun, whatever. Just like get up there, perform well for people. So they buy merch, you know, whatever. But now like, I, I think I totally view it differently where I go up on stage and maybe this is part of realization, realizing that like, I don't know how many more tours I'll get to do in this band. Like, um, or just like when, you know, when the whole thing, like, I think that was one thing that COVID showed me is like, this industry is super fragile and it can be ended overnight. You know, it can be ripped apart, you know, that fast. So going up on stage now, I think I have a little bit different mentality where it's like, this could be my last show. So I, you know, I have a little bit more fun. And if, you know, if somebody screws up, I don't get super bent out of shape about it. Or if I screw up, I don't get super bent out of shape about it, you know, and I mess with people while we're on stage, you know, and whatever, just like, yeah, we have inside jokes on stage, whatever. Um, yeah, I think that it just makes it a lot more fun. And it's like, it is, I think that even people in the crowd, like if when I see other bands do stupid stuff like that i'm like that's funny that's cool they have a personality you know and it's less about thinking of them as like an idol and more it's just like oh they're just another one of another dude you know just doing the thing and having a good time 
you know, as you were just talking there, you, you said something and, and I feel like it's the second or third time I've heard you kind of say it in passing. You know, you've you've mentioned a time where like the band may not exist yeah, and that it could be soon. What does the finality of Earth Groans mean? How does it make you feel? Because it, it feels like you're very at peace with the idea that like after like this EP and whatever touring cycle we do around it or whatever else we have like on in the you know upcoming might be it. Like, yeah, it I seems mean, like you're just very at peace with it all. Yeah, well, I haven't always been that way. <laughs> um, you know, the I mean, I've lived and breathed Earth Groans for the last like seven years. That's like what I do, what I spend most of my time doing and thinking about. And uh, but uh, you know, I had to swallow a pill, and some days I'm still working on swallowing that pill. That you know, Earth Groans might not ever be anything bigger than what we are already. You know, we've we we're growing slowly. Every release we grow a little bit more, but we haven't taken off. We've never been like a big ticket band. Um, we don't have the like the overnight success story, like, you know, some bands like knock loose and stuff. And, uh, so anyways, what I'm trying to say is that I have to swallow the pill that earth Grounds might not ever be anything big. We might not ever be like a very profitable band or like that something that I can like, you know, rely on a hundred percent for my income. And, um, so yeah. And that's the, unfair part about the music industry is that you know when you have a job usually to climb the ladder you start at the bottom and you keep working hard you stay consistent and over the years you'll climb the ladder but in the music industry that doesn't really exist i mean yeah sometimes sometimes you can climb the ladder and sometimes, and you'll watch a lot of your colleagues and your friends climb the ladder a lot faster than you, you know, and it's just like, it's just one of those things, one of those industries that, um, you might stick with it and work hard and whatever, do all the right things, but it might just not work. Um, and then that's un the unfortunate truth of the music industry. And like, I used to be really bitter about the fact that I'm like, you know, I don't understand why we're not getting these tours or this tour. And I'm like, you know what? sometimes it's just the right thing at the right or the right thing at the right time. You know, some bands just take off and some bands just don't, you know, and it's, it sucks, but it's like, you know, I had to be okay with the fact that like, I have to be okay with the fact that like earth Grounds, you know, we might not ever take off and we've been spinning tires now for like seven years. And obviously I would love if earth Grounds could be like, you know, a, a band that does well, but you know, there's a good chance that we might not. So I don't know. I think there's also, it's so interesting to think about how industry kind of can do that to you where it's like, to, cause to be to like, again, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier, but it's like the perception is like, okay, well, like you got signed, you, you've made it. And to <laughs> me, wish. like the other thing too, is that it's like, yes, there's, there's various levels of making it, but at, at mm -hmm. no point do you ever just kind of like, it's not like, okay, well a new achievement unlocked and now everything's easy. It's like, no, right. and like now more work goes into it. Like, you know, you referenced Slipknot earlier and it's like the thing that I think about when you get to certain levels is I'm like, well, now it's not just me. Like now I employ people. Right. Now I'm responsible for giving people a job that's going to pay them and pay their bills. And it's yeah. their livelihood. Like, 
that would kind of terrify me because it's yeah. like, okay, like potentially I'm a quote unquote bad record away from like, not like, like you're saying we were used to playing shows and arenas. And it's like, if the tour keeps happening like that, then it's like, we may not be able to afford to pay people the next time out where it's like, yeah, we took a major loss. So like, now we got to let you go and kind of scale back on this next couple of runs or something. And it's like, that would be absolutely horrifying to like, yeah, have to be in that boat where you're like, I mean, it's essentially family. You travel together. They've been through it with you. And it's like, sorry, dude, like we, you got to go. And it's like, Oh, just yeah. be like heartbreaking. Yeah. And, uh, I think there's like a statistic that it's like all art industry, like everything when it comes to art industry, it's not, it's only like 20% art and like 80% business. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you could like, I mean, ideally you want to just, focus on the art and make really cool art but and then that's it and then all you know and then the people come but no that's not really it at all it's like you have to check a lot of boxes before the people come you know and like you know like with today it's like it's not only just having a good uh like a good record it's having a good record then having a really good instagram presence then like having good music videos and then doing lyric (laughs) videos and then having a tiktok and making sure you're posting like regularly and consistently and so there's a lot of things that you really have to i guess make sure you know all the boxes are checked and it is a lot it's a lot to take on and it's more it's way more than what you think about when you're like, I'm going to start a band. It's like when, when I was young, I'm like, yeah, I want to play cool music and hang out with cool people. I'm like that. I'm like, that's what being in a band is. And it's like, it's so much more than that. Um, which is, you know, a good thing and a bad thing. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's definitely, it's very, it's, it's really hard to make it in the music industry. And of course I picked metal, which is like one of the the smallest like niches, but you know, and, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's not why I started playing in a metalcore band to begin with. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not here because I know that I'm going to make money through metalcore. It's like, there is a passion, you know, that I'm also pursuing too, but it's finding like the balance of like, okay, is this passion like draining me dry, <laughs> bleeding me dry financially and mentally? Yeah. And so, yeah. So I don't know. I'm just like, there's a lot of, a lot of things going through my mind when it comes to like the band and everything now. And I'm just like, just trying to be in a place where if another opportunity comes or, you know, maybe this door is closing and maybe another one will open. I don't know. I'm open to, you know, whatever happens, I guess. I'm just have to be okay with it, you know, otherwise I'm going to have a pretty miserable life. (laughs) Well, I think it's, it's kind of what I refer to as the pivot point where it's like, you know, when something's not working and instead of giving up entirely and just making everything that you've gone through, all the sacrifices, you know, for nothing, it's Mm -hmm. like you find a way to pivot and, you know, for, for me, it's been pivoting a couple of times within this industry where it's like, did the band thing wasn't really my thing. Um, I can understand like certain aspects aspects of it. I really enjoyed, but it's like, ultimately I think the people I were with just weren't as dedicated to the thing as I wanted to, them to be. So therefore, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, they were five years younger than me. So it's like, I'm thinking like, dude, I'm not working to go do this like 
week tour that like half of it's not legit because the booking agent just took our money and said that there were dates and then sent us on our way <laughs> like 10 hours away like that's not cool mm-hmm. and i'm pretty upset about it and you guys are just like oh whatever we're college kids and mom and dad will just give us money and i'm like <laughs> maybe mine will if i call them but like low-key that's not what this was about right and so it's like pivoting from that to putting on shows, which taught me something else entirely about the industry, which is also why I've ruined going to shows for myself. Cause now I think about guarantees and contracts and all these other things. Yep. And you know, I can't help but run numbers in my head and instead of just enjoying a show typically. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's about writing about shows. So, you know, it's been pivoting each time. And this has been the one thing that I've done, you know, for seven years now, where I feel like the work that I put into it has paid off. I, I can see growth for the most part. I've had, you know, taken this way further than I ever thought I ha- would have, mm-hmm. but it's still a thing where I knew if I would have kept going the way I wanted to or where I was, it's just not where I was meant to be. And so sure. like finding the pivot point and realizing like, it's you just kind of need i don't want to say i have a backup plan but i think you just kind of need to be real with yourself at times and i think it's yeah it sounds like from my perspective listening to you talk that it's like you've already hit that with earth groans and i i, I kind of find a beauty in that that it's like because i feel like anything you do now is just icing on the cake from here on out yeah and whether it's like another year or it's like 10 it's all icing right. on the cake now yeah for sure yeah and i think um like it's pretty much with anything, anything that you're doing, uh, like even if we were, even if to earth groans were to like hit it big, it's like, there are still points like in your life. It's like, I, when I think of like, I remember the drummer bass player of bear tooth quitting right when they hit it huge. I'm like, why would he do that? Style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, why would, why would you do that? you like, you have it all, but it's like, well, from the outside, yeah, maybe it looks like you, he ha- they have it all, but like mentally mental health or whatever else is going on inside. It was like, it's not worth it. You know, like yeah. the pay, the pays, uh, like the pay and like the fame and all that stuff. Like it's not worth it if inside you're dead, <laughs> you know, or yeah. you're just having a hard time or whatever, you know? So, um, I almost kind of, I'm envious of people like that. Cause it's like, you know how hard it would be to walk away from something when you, you prop. Cause I mean, let's be real for the most part, touring world and the music world is all about things you're doing way down the road. So, I mean, it's yeah. like when you're recording, we know we're going to put you on the road for X amount of time. Then you're going to go record. That's going to take X amount of time from there. Whatever the lead time is to get vinyl and get everything ready to go and get all the announcements locked up, probably some tours around that. You know, because we need to drop these tours and these announcements and these teasers and all that other stuff. All this other work has to get done. The music industry is one of those things where it's like you can very quickly see what's about to happen for your next five, six, seven months. Yeah. And I find it very commendable that if you see all that and your first thought is, oh, then it's like, get off. Because it's like, because all this, it's going to get way worse before it ever gets better. And like I said, like, the amount of people like the dude from turnstile that like left right before glow on came out or whatever. And people were like, I bet that dude's kicking himself now. And I'm like, I bet he's not. I bet he's just like, Oh my God, thank God. I don't have to like be in the middle of a tour and then have to go do a TV show fly mm-hmm. in the honor right. red eye, be jet lag, sound like crap anyway, cause it's coming through TV and then yeah. fly back to start the tour. And then like for the, however many hours that that was, 
it may bring more people to the show or may get more downloads or whatever, but it's like, you don't know. Right. And it's just like, I would be like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that either. <laughs> right. Well, and that's where I think it brings it back to all about why are you doing what, what you're doing. It's like, are you doing it? Are you doing it because you want to be famous? Are you doing it because you want to make a lot of money? Or are you doing it because you're passionate about it? You know, so like at the end of the day, I think that like the inner motive is really going to determine a lot of like your happiness and, you know, so kind of one of the last questions I have for you, cause it's something I've thought about and I know it's something we talked about in our first chat, mm-hmm. but it's something, you know, having just seen Andrew from the ghost inside, he just moved away from uh, where he lived in Lansing. And I remember, you know, and it's a very obvious reason why he left uh, with his prosthetic leg, uh, the Michigan winners and all that kind of stuff are very brutal for him. Uh, yeah. No pun intended. And so he just needed to be somewhere where it was consistently nice and he could, you know, move around and be more mobile. And he's closer to his bandmates at that point. But it's one of those things where in this day and age, you kind of can do anything from anywhere. Yep. But it still makes me question, have you ever thought of moving away? Because I feel like you're so, for lack of a better term, isolated from a lot of things that I feel like it would be better for your business to be somewhere where it's a little bit more accessible to a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've always said that I won't live in South Dakota forever. And I still believe that. Um, I just, my thing is right now is it works really well for me to be here because I own my property. I have it, I've had it paid off for a long time. I have a tenant that pays me like while I'm on tour, you know? Um, so it makes sense right now, but when this chapter closes and I don't know what exactly that's going to look like yet. And maybe that's coming. Um, like then, yeah, I also, I feel like it would be smart for me to have a reason to move. And I know that what you just said is a reason, but it's like, I can't move to LA if I'm going to like for a touring gig, it's like, how do I pay my, you know, how do I pay for rent while I'm on tour? You know? So I am definitely, going to move it's just a matter of when and how i'm not sure it's like i i've been all over the country a few times now sick brag (laughs) but i still (laughs) haven't decided like what what place is the best place that i want to move to because i think most likely i will move for whatever calling is calling at that time you know so if it's you know a studio job like when that, if a studio job presents itself, absolutely I'll move him, you know, in a heartbeat. Um, I just tried out for Crystal Lake. Well, not just, but like six months ago, I tried out for Crystal Lake when they were having the auditions. You know, I'm like, you know, this might be an opportunity for me to move from, you know, South Dakota. I'd move over to Tokyo, uh, but I didn't get the, je- I didn't get it. So obviously that wasn't it. But yeah, I think that eventually I will move, but I, it has to be right, you know. And I'm just still kind of waiting for that time. And if I had like a direct motive, like, oh, I want to move to L.A. because I want to become an actor. It's like, yeah, that would make sense. Uh, I could move to Nashville because I want to, you know, be a producer. But I can do that here as, as easily as in Nashville. I don't know. It's a tough thing. And it's something that I still think about probably every day, especially like 
you know, as we, we just completed our contract and stuff and like, it's like, well, maybe it's time for something new or maybe, you know, it's like, I think about moving more now than I ever have, but, um, I feel like for just for the sake of being smart and not like moving somewhere and going bankrupt or whatever, it's like, I have to have a, like, I have to have a good plan in place and a good reason, you know? So yeah, absolutely. It just, it's one of those things, like I said, I know like you can bounce, like I think about it too with like Josh uh, Schroeder because mm-hmm. he lives a few hours, like two hours away. Yep. And I always joke with him that I'm like, I can't believe you get the bands you do to come to the middle of nowhere in Michigan yeah. to like be there. But like, mm-hmm. I do know that that lends something to the recording process. Like, you know, having Definitely. the your babies on and even uh, Adam from Lauren Shore a while ago, you know, because a lot of these bands, Michigan's cold and winter for a handful of months. And it's yep. funny to have them be like, when you're in the middle of nowhere and it's snowy and it's it's bad out and you literally can't do anything. It's like it kind of forces you to have to focus on the task at hand and just th- yeah. that's why you're there. Like you have no distractions. So I kind of yeah. feel like there are, it's it's twofold. Like I feel like where you live is kind of a help probably in that, like where it's like you're here to work. You're here to create. Like you're not here to do right. all these other things. But I do wonder if you would have more more success from a business perspective being somewhere that's a little more accessible to get to closer yeah. to an airport and so forth, if that would allow you to have more success in your recording career. Yeah. No, there's definitely um, some possible truth there. It's just like it's, you know, it, it is a gamble no matter which way I do. If I stay here, it's a gamble. If I move it, it's also a gamble. So yeah. um, I'm just trying to be the smartest, you know. <laughs> about it you know because i could you know i could move to nashville and honestly it could be the worst idea you know um so i don't know but yeah like there's definitely even if i did move to like like my dream scenario is like move to a place like nashville or you know phoenix i love phoenix phoenix is probably the first place that i'd move if i did move today um but uh so if i did move i would still want to be like out of the city, like on an acreage, like, cause I would still really, I still really believe in that idea of no distraction. And like, that's the thing here is there's nothing to do. So there's literally no distractions. Um, you know, same, same way with Schroeder. Uh, so yeah, even if I did move to like Phoenix, I would still like, I would love my dream scenario would be like to have a studio out on an acreage, you know, 20 minutes outside of, you know, city or limits or whatever. So that it is still like, yeah, we're here. We're going to focus. There's nothing, there's no distractions. So, but kind of a, kind of last question for you from a recording perspective, I guess, sure. or I guess even as a, just an artist and vocally and all that, <clears throat> what is something that you would like to do that may surprise people? Oh, now that is a good question. Um, I think I mentioned it earlier, um, but I think that a new a new thing that I'm and maybe this wouldn't surprise people, but I think being a front of house touring guy, like doing stu- instead of doing studio stuff, I would like switch gears and I would be like a front of house touring guy for bands. Um, and that way I can just be out on the road more. I, I, like I said, I love touring. I love live sound, like the, or the live show atmosphere, everything about it. 
Um, at least when I told my friend this the other day, he was surprised that I had said that because he's like, man, I thought you were like studio till you die, you know? And like, <laughs> I always thought that I always have, I've always favored studio over live sound. Um, but, uh, that's been like a new endeavor, uh, kind of like a new, I guess, kind of a new flame that I'm like pursuing or going to be pursuing. I'm not sure yet. Um, but, uh, and that might honestly be my way out of like my way of moving is like, if I get like a really cool, you know, live sound gig or what I want to do first is I want to try it out, actually do a tour as a front of house guy and make sure that I enjoy it. If that is something that <laughs> is really, you know, cause I, I could just like move somewhere and then like, it turns out that I hate doing front of house you know so <laughs> I, I think i'm gonna try it out first and then if it if there is like you know um a connection there like that might be something that i would uh pursue absolutely last question for you where uh where can everyone find you or anything you would like to plug online sure um yeah so uh the band has a website earthgrownsmusic.com um from there you know of course we're on facebook uh earthgrowns band i think is our handle uh instagram and twitter is all just earthgrowns um you know we're on all the socials uh i'm most active probably on instagram um but uh if you go to our website earthgrownsmusic.com you can uh that will you know, it has pretty much all the resources from music videos to merch, all that, all that good stuff. If you are into the vocal cover stuff, I do have a, a TikTok and an Instagram, which is just uh, my handle is just Jeremy underscore groans. Um, so you can go check those out if that's something that you're into. Awesome. Well, it was good getting to chat with you. Sorry for the the delay, several delays in getting this to happen. No way, but, man. Uh, it's fine. It's totally all good. Yeah. Was uh totally good to kind of reconnect and just kind of see where life's journey has taken us over the last uh, couple yeah. of years since we talked last. Yep. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening, and I'm sure we'll cross paths uh, down the road. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me on and uh, making this work. So. Yeah. Have a good night, man. All right, dude. We'll talk to you later. So that was my conversation with Jeremy again of Earth Groans. I want to thank him a lot for being malleable uh, with, you know, trying to get this lined up. As I said in the intro, like my job has just been throwing me massive curveballs. And honestly, you know, I keep talking about trying to be more transparent on on this in these intro and outros and that they're going to be kind of for me and knowing that inevitably people are probably just going to skip over these or leave YouTube comments and shit about like skip to this part and this is where the interview is. But ultimately, it's one of those things for me where, you know, I do sometimes go back and listen to these and I kind of remind myself of things I'm thinking about or things I'm doing. And it's kind of an accountability thing. But I also think that maybe, like I said, I know there are people who listen to this that when I say something or I talk about things I'm feeling, I get feedback now about people being like, I feel that same way or something you said in this conversation um, really stuck out to me. But it is one of those things where you know, one of the things I ended up doing was I was supposed to do a podcast with Jeremy and I was supposed to do another one with uh, somebody else. And I was having a real serious, I wouldn't call it a disagreement or an argument. I was just having a real conversation with my wife. And it was one of those things that like, that was the priority. <clears throat> I needed to put the priority on having that conversation and letting it happen <clears throat> as it needed to happen. So we could work through things that we were dealing with, some struggles that we were going through. And 
I realized that like walking away to do the podcast was not going to be where I needed to be. My headspace wasn't going to be right. I probably was going to be a little bit more angry, upset, over emotional, whatever it would be. And I knew that's just not the way to go into doing a podcast. There is a little, a certain mentality you need to have. So I want to thank Jeremy for being malleable, like I said, because it allowed me to deal with a things I needed to deal with in my job. And then secondly, that I needed to deal with things in my marriage. And those are more valuable. And sometimes I think we, we put stock in the wrong thing. Sometimes I think we need, we feel the need to be everywhere and everything to everybody. But sometimes the focus really needs to be on one singular thing. And that's where all your attention needs to be. And because of that, I, I feel like the conversation I had with my wife, like in the week or two, I think at this point, I think it's been about two weeks since then, I feel like we're on a way better wavelength of communicating. Uh, we know where each other are. It's just kind of a, a reset to a degree of allowing us to to kind of check in and figure out what some problems we were having and work our way through them. And I think, uh, again, kind of going back to the overall theme so far of the, the intro and outros, and I think of the show too, of the conversation, was just kind of being honest with yourself and, and really knowing what you want and understanding that you need to, to take a step back sometimes and figure out what it is you want and how to, how to get it, how to best approach it. You know, something that I think is really interesting to me and when we were talking about where you live, Jeremy lives... And I'm not saying this like to be mean. I just, there is the perception. And I would say if you are in the music industry, like living where he does in, in the, you know, Dakotas, I think North Dakota, it's, it's probably a great state, a probably a great area. And it probably works for him. But when you're in the music business and you probably have to tour, like flying somewhere probably isn't super convenient. Maybe uh, flights are probably a little bit either more expensive. He has to accommodate for a connecting flight or two. Uh, especially with his recording studio, might be a little bit harder for bands to kind of get there. But that also might be the beauty of it. Like, I know for a long time, there have been a handful of people that, you know, are from here uh, in Michigan and Grand Rapids. And it's one of those things where I kind of think about, you know, like, look at, and I talk about him all the time, but Josh Roder lives up in Bay City a couple hours away from me. And it's one of those things where I feel like he's so good. I feel like he could do more business and his business would be possibly more successful from a financial perspective if he lived somewhere that was a little bit more easy to get to. But I, I do also see that, and I have talked to the people, obviously, that have worked with Josh, that it's almost that isolation, it's almost that being away from everything that actually works to the band and the producer's advantage because there's no distractions. There's nothing to do other than focus on the task at hand. And I think sometimes that's something I think a lot about is where do I need to be to be happiest? Where do I need to be to be my best self? Sometimes I think it's here, but other times I think about moving and what does moving look like? What does, what challenges or opportunities will that present? And again, these are conversations I have to have with my wife, uh, who, you know, obviously is a huge part of any decision I make, but it is, it is interesting to just kind of think about that as I get older, to think about the changes in our life and where do we want to be and what do we want to get out of this life? Cause we only have one. So 
lots of lots of deep thinking uh, from me on this one that I've been thinking about since uh, having this conversation with Jeremy. Uh, anyway, start wrapping up the show. If you would like to keep up with Earthgroans, you can find them on Facebook at Earthgroans Band, Instagram at Earthgroans, as well as Twitter. Uh, you can go to earthgroans.myshopify.com, pick up some merch, see uh, a lot of the different stuff they have going on over there. If you would like to keep up with Jeremy, you can find him simply at Jeremy underscore Groans on both Instagram and Twitter. If you would like to keep up with the podcast, you can find us at Bruce Speak Pod on pretty much any social media platform. Uh, if there is a way to rate, review, or subscribe uh, this podcast on whatever platform you're using, please do. Uh, it uh, means a lot. Any feedback I get is greatly appreciated. And, um, you know, podcast sponsors, they have helped out tremendously. Uh, I really love Frankie over at Rockabilia and Andrew over at uh, Starving Artist Brewery. So if you would like to uh, go support them, please do. Uh, Rockabilia has a lot of great merch. They're doing so many killer collaborations uh, right now. Um just so many to keep track of and also kind of having Frankie tell me some of the various things that they have in the works. I, I never know which thing is like happening and if it's actually going to come to fruition. Uh, there's been a cool few items that uh, he's been trying to get off the ground that if they do, uh, will be really cool. But in the meantime, go support them for supporting us. And on that note, uh, this is a uh, the end of the episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, I am 100% going on vacation. I am literally finishing packing, and we are leaving later tonight. Uh, we'll be gone for 10 days, so I will not put out a new episode uh, in that time. It may be a week uh, once I get back uh, before I can really get going on the interview I'll do today. And um, just enjoy. I'll probably post a, a flashback episode and just be like, hey, check out this one. In the meantime, that seems to uh, work and satiate people. Maybe checking out an episode that they kind of passed over uh, and gives me a chance to highlight an episode that I, I've enjoyed from the almost 400 uh, episode back catalog I have. So for the Brutally Speaking podcast, I'll talk to you all later. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. And I'll see you all next time. <laughs>